Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Ephesians 5, are you ready? All right, my wife's ready. It might be the only one for service, but we're going to have a good time this morning. Ephesians 5. Uh, let's start off by reading, uh, let's read uh, 21 just to give it some context here. It says chapter 5, verse 21, and then I'm going to read the most uh, unpopular verse in the Bible. Is that all right? It says in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to who? One another. Submitting to, to one another in love. We always forget about verse 21. Let's go to the most unpopular verse. Wives, talking about marriage. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. How many wives would say, my husband isn't really like the Lord though? We'll keep going. For husband is head to the wife as Christ is to the church and as he is savior to the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, uh, this is interesting, by the way, he's talking about marriage. It is funny, I want you to notice this, that there's three verses for women's responsibilities. And look how many more words God had to use in dealing with men. Husbands, here we go. Love your wives just as Jesus also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the what? By his words. That he might present to him, her uh, to himself a glorious church, a glorious bride, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own body, but nourishes it and cherishes it. <laughs> that was a lisp in there, I think. Just of his flesh and bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become, come on, one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects, she respects, she honors her husband. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this morning, but you're like, why in the world will we, will we waste two weeks discussing relationships, marriage? First of all, here's the good news. This is a shame and guilt-free zone. So if you're married, you're single, divorced, widow, doesn't matter your status, engaged, um, I do believe that God, we're going to see something new about God this morning, regardless of the season of life that we're in. First thing I'd like to say. Uh, I would like to mention, though, that in Orange County, I just discovered this last week, that we have the highest divorce rate, I think, in the, in the country right now, as, as a county. There's 70% first-time people getting married divorce rate, 70%. That's 21% higher than the national average. And so I do think if it's, a, if it's an epidemic issue where we live, that the church has to address it. And I do believe, here's the good news, that when you do things God's way, there's a 100% success rate. 100%. And you're like, maybe, maybe you've known someone, and maybe you've been divorced, and you would say, well, I've tried everything. Usually you can pinpoint in a marriage when it doesn't work, there's at least one person that's not 100% into God's way. 100%. Because you have 100% forgiveness, 100% honesty, and there's just a commitment on both sides. Usually one party at least is going, look, I don't want to work at this. I don't want to try. I don't believe God can restore. I don't believe that God can redeem. But here's what we know, that when we do things the way God wants us to do them, there is life. There's life. And so today I want to talk to you about seeing God through, through marriage. Are you ready to go today? 
We're going to have a good time. Let's pray real quick. We'll have a good time this morning. Lord, I just thank you so much for first service. I thank you for early risers. I thank you for people that enjoy coming and enjoying you and getting out, getting after the rest of their day. I pray that, Lord, you would bless this moment we have together. I thank you for what you're doing in this church and this community. I thank you that good things are happening in Ocean's Church. And so I'm asking right now this morning, in your presence, that, God, you would meet us where we are. I pray you would speak to us, and I pray that you would continue to help the Los Angeles Lakers. We love you so much. Bless this Sunday together. In Jesus' name, if you believe it. Come on, someone said amen. 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 Who's ever rented something before? Rented. Any, any renters, I, I live in, I, we're, my wife and I live in a rental house right now, and uh, it's the first time in our marriage that we've rented. Uh, Idaho, we live like kings, because you can live like a king with like making, like uh, you can work at McDonald's and live good in Idaho, come on. And uh, we moved to Orange County, we're renting a house, we're believing God for a home, but I've rented house, uh, house the last almost six months, I think seven months, and uh, I've rented a lot of cars. Who likes renting cars? I think every guy likes to rent a car. There's something about renting things, uh, rented items that just kind of excites you a lot of times because you know there's not really any personal responsibility you have to take. I don't know what it is, but man, every time I get in a rental car, I just think I'm a NASCAR driver. I turn in, there's like a, I start channeling Dell Earnhardt Jr. And I'm like, my gosh, this is awesome. And I have to confess this. I know this is not right. It's not good stewardship, but it's like, it's interesting that when you are driving or you're living in something that's not yours, you don't quite treat it the same way. Serious. I get into a rental car and like, there's a little, like a little hill. I'm like, I think I could catch air if I just speed up a little bit more. It's like gone in 60 seconds. I just start, start thinking I'm Nicolas Cage and, uh, just, I don't know what it is, rental cars. But I was thinking about the differences between renting and owning and, uh, God began to speak to me on this idea, this thought, that uh, I think marriage is very comparable to renting and owning. Uh, when you're renting a house, you're renting a car, there's not the same level of ownership, obviously, because it's not yours. A lot of times when you're renting, it's temporary. It's temporary. And I think a lot of people have that mentality in their marriage, their relationships, is that this is not a long-term solution. This is a temporary fix. I can't tell you how many marriages I've seen uh, disintegrate not because they believe that this is the person for the rest of their life. Not, not, not Mr. Right, but it, it really was this idea that this, this is just Mr. or Mrs. Right now. And I do believe that when you settle for what's right now, you'll actually a lot of times sacrifice what could be right for life. And uh, it's a temporary idea. Dating could be a temporary idea. And when you're renting things, it's crazy because when something breaks, uh, we have the luxury now when we don't own, we're like, hey, this is someone else's problem. Our sink isn't working properly. There's a smell coming from the house. The roof is leaking. I just get on the phone with the person that owns the place and says, this is your problem. This is your house. You know, we do in, uh, in the rental world, we say, you fix this or I'm taking my money and I'm moving out. I'm going to find somewhere else that doesn't have these problems. I think many times we do this in relationships. We, we, we get into a marriage, we start, we start dating somebody, and we're like, you know what? I, I like living here with you as long as everything is working the way I want. But the moment the water stops working and the, the moment things start to smell and the roof begins to leak, we go, you know what? If, if you're not going to let me fix this, I'm going to find somewhere that's easier to live. And I think many people treat marriage more like renters than owners. And uh, I was thinking through this that even when you own a house, uh, 
I love the idea right now, we, we don't invest a lot of money into our house because we're renting it. You have a car that you're leasing. A lot of times you don't spend $100,000, $20,000 fixing up the car. Except if you're a millennial, then you put rims on a car, you're going to give back. But that's another message for another story. But many times we don't, we don't supercharge, turbocharge, we don't repaint, we don't do a lot of extra modifications on something that we're temporarily using. And I was thinking about even in a house, I love, I don't know about you, but I love uh, customizing my home. I like, we did beautiful landscaping in our, our house in Idaho, and I put in a surround sound system that could wake my neighbors up uh, any time of the day. But it's interesting that when I'm renting a house, I'm not interested in investing into it. You can't customize something that you're renting. You only customize things that you own. And I was just over and over again thinking about this idea, and I just really felt like I tapped into something when I was praying, that God said, Mark, tell my people to have an ownership mentality in marriage and not a renting mentality. Many people, they think that marriage is like, well, it's going to be perfect. It's going to stay new forever. Who's ever heard the demonic phrase from some old married couple when you're dating or engaged that says, enjoy the honeymoon while it lasts? It's like, thanks, Debbie Downer. I'm going to go take my, my anti-depression medication now. Thanks for discouraging me. But I do believe this, that there is a newness when you get into a relationship. And if you're not intentional, if you view marriage the wrong way, you'll think that it'll always be new. When you buy a house, my wife and I bought a brand new house two years ago, and when we bought this house, it was brand new. Nothing was wrong with it. But the longer you live in a house, you start having wear and tear, and you don't have learned about great houses like great marriages. When something wears out, you don't go to a new place. You fix. This house needs new hardware. This house needs a paint job. This house needs a new roof. And many times what we do is we go, if we're renting, we go, you know what, now's my time to find something newer. Rather than saying, you know what, we live in Orange County, and most of the houses here, unfortunately, were built in the 90s in Laguna Niguel. They all look the same. They're all peach, and they all need a renovation inside. Can we get an amen? And God wanted me, I just really felt strong on this, that God wants us to see him through marriage and here's what I've landed on. If you're, if you're taking notes, you can write some of these things down. But I do believe that every, uh, every one of us can identify whether you're single or married. Uh, again, divorced, widowed. I believe we see God through marriage in the fact that there's things that, that the, the church needs from Jesus that we only get from Jesus. And there's things that God in his sovereign nature said, you know what I want from the bride? You know what I want from the church? You know what I need from that feminine part of, of, of humanity? in my masculinity, there's something I need from the church that I don't get from anybody else. And I believe if we look at marriage like we look at Jesus and the church, you're going you're gonna to discover, oh my gosh, there's things that are in God that are connected to what's in males, and there's things that are in females that are actually in the church. Are you ready to go today? So I see this, that in this movie that just came out, What Women Want, and I, there was a movie with Mel Gibson, What Men Want. But this is what I believe. This is what we see about God through what women, what women want, what women need. I believe, if you're taking notes, whether you're, again, married or single, this is very important. I believe that in marriage, women, uh, they need four things. If you're, if you're writing notes, you can write these down. I believe there's four things that I believe women need. The number one greatest need of every female, particularly in marriage, but I believe just in, nature, uh, in general, is that females' greatest needs is number one, security. 
And by the way, as we're talking about females today, this isn't just for females, this is for the church. You know the greatest need for every Christian? Security. Do you know what the Achilles heel is of our generation right now? Insecurity. There are so many people that don't know who they are. They have money in the bank. They're married to models, but they're still discouraged or suicidal because, oh my gosh, I have everything that I could possibly materially need, but I don't know who I am. Do you know that security can only come from God? And I believe that what we see through, see through marriage about Jesus and the church is that Jesus is the author of security to the church. And just like Jesus brings security to Christians, men are supposed to bring security to their wives. How do, how do, how do men bring security to our spouses? Great question. I believe that security comes through words. It comes through words. It says that Jesus washes the church through the washing of water by his words. I believe that when you get married, both of you are a blank canvas, and you will become the painting of each other's words. And when you keep saying you're a slob, you're never going to be good enough, why are you always late, why are you always doing this, why are you always spending too much money, why can't you budget this, why are you worried, why are you scared, why are you fearful, why are you a pervert? All the things we say in marriages, right? It's crazy, it's getting quiet in the Presbyterian church. I think I hit a nerve there. Ah. I do believe that we become what our words are over each other. And we don't think our words hold bearing, but I do believe this, that security comes through hearing the right report. Something powerful happens. Love is expressed best often. Love is expressed and it's shown, it's demonstrated. And when love is expressed, shown, and demonstrated, security always comes. I believe this fundamentally, that insecurity is the number one killer of this generation. And I think even in marriages, it creates insecurity. This is what I know, is that the moment a man starts to say something that would cause insecurity in his wife, she shuts down. You could be speaking the truth in love, but if you say it in, an ins- if you say it in a way that would actually go after the confidence or the security in that, in that woman, she will shut down to you. And you can write this down, this is a bit of a spoiler, but I believe that security is to females what honor is to males. That you could say the right thing, but if you say it in an insecure way that creates insecurity, or you're talking to your husband, but you're not talking to him in an honoring way, it's like you could be saying everything, two plus two equals four, and you're like, "Uh uh-uh, not today. (laughs) Not right now, because you didn't say it with honor. Or you didn't say it instilling security in me. You said it actually trying to pull the rug out from underneath my confidence. You see, Christians need confidence that only comes from God. Just like women from their husbands need confidence that only comes from them. Do you know that everybody else's voice is not as important as your voice? When you get married, the spouse in your life has more weight in their words that's why guys can, can be around other guys and say anything about anybody, and it just bounces off of them. But the moment their wife says something that's dishonoring, it's like it cripples them immediately. I've learned this, that, that no, women's number one need is security. Number two, again, this is what we see Jesus in a relationship. Number two, greatest need of females, uh, in, in, uh, wives in marriage, number two, is they need affection. Affection. Now, guys, usually when you hear the word, they're like, all right, I like that. Because I'm going to get into one of God's greatest needs here in a second. 
But I do believe that when we hear affection, we go there. But this is what I've learned about affection that my wife has mentored me in, is that affection is not, it's actually non-sexual kindness. It's kind words. It's kind actions. Affection is thinking of her before she asked you to. This is affection. It's planning for the future. It's non-sexual communication. It's expressing, uh, it's expressing affection, but it's doing so without expecting something physical to come out of it. There's something about when a woman just goes, look, he bought me flowers, he wrote me a card, he was thinking about me. You know what romance is? I'll define romance this way. Romance is initiating a need or a want before it's spoken. Do you know great marriages, what they do is they initiate a need or a want before anybody verbalizes it. I didn't tell you that I needed flowers. I didn't tell you that I needed a new makeup bag. I didn't, I didn't tell you that I needed this or that. But you know what you did is you went and you did it anyways. Women love it when, when they feel like, oh my gosh, there is an affection that he has for me. That, that there, he, he was thinking about me even when I wasn't thinking about him. And I believe that one of the greatest needs you need as a human being from God is you need his affection. You might not know this right now, but guess what? You see Jesus through marriage in the fact that God's desire is to be affectionate with you. His desire, literally, this is crazy, but, the, but Jesus himself wants you to feel loved. He wants you when you're going throughout your work week to feel like, oh my gosh, I wasn't even asking God for this race, but he was thinking about me. I wasn't even thinking about, man, my brother that I've been praying for for two decades, but that miraculous thing happened in his life this week. God, thank you that you were answering prayers that I wasn't even praying. God wants you to know that the way that he is affectionate towards Christians is the way that God wants husbands to be affectionate towards their wives. Number three, women's greatest needs, they need, a, they need communication. And I want you to write this down, males, because uh, I talk for a living. And I, what I've learned is, is women don't like headlines. They like the story. They don't want headlines. They want the entire complete story. They want details. Women, I want you to know that when a man says, when you ask him, what are you thinking about? And he says, nothing, he's not lying. We have an ability to think about nothing. But women, I'm, I'm being honest with you right now, is that guys, hear me, women, when they ask you, how did your day go? They don't want to just hear nothing or good. <laughs> it went good. What did you guys do today? We, we played golf for eight hours. What did you guys talk about? Nothing. How's him and his marriage going? I don't know. What's new with his job? Is he still working there? I, I have no idea. How did you spend eight hours together and you didn't cover anything significant or meaningful? Ladies, we're not wired this way. But I want to encourage you guys that women want to know, they not only want to know what's going on, they want to know how you felt while it was going on. That's why it's interesting. When women tell a story, it's totally different than when a guy tells a story. Because guys will just say, you know, if they're telling a story about how they got a raise, they're like, you know, it was awesome today at work. Boss called me in, I got a raise. Same thing happens to a female. She goes, well, I woke up in the morning and I knew it was going to be a good day. <laughs> I was putting on my, my blush. I just got this new color from um, Sephora. And I was putting it on. And as I was doing my eyeliner, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said that there was going to be breakthrough today. Guys, we want, we want to get to the point. Women want to fill in. Listen to me. One of the greatest things you can give your spouse is communication. I am learning that I have to do a better job of communicating. 
And I don't believe I'm the only male on the planet that has this problem. Women, males come out of the factory emotionally disassembled. We are. We don't have, we don't, we don't feel things like you feel things. I remember the first year of our marriage, my wife just kind of counseling me through these things. And she would say things like, um, she's like, oh, so, so Mark, your parents were divorced. She's like, so did your parents not go to your like sporting events? Like my mom was working like four jobs. My dad was MIA. And I'm like, no, I, I was like the kid that never had parents at basketball games and volleyball games. And she's like, how did that make you feel? I'm like, well, it's fine, you know. So then you had that really great game, and you scored all those points, and everyone was celebrating, but your parents weren't there. How, how, did, you, how did you feel? I was like, fine, I guess. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I get zapped. I'm like, ah, what is that? She's like, you're feeling. <laughs> Guys don't feel what girls feel, and I believe this, that women, your job is to teach males how to communicate more. And I do believe that we need to be discipled in this idea. Most marriages fall apart because of a lack of good communication or unmet, unverbalized communication. Do you know the number one reason why people get divorced is unmet expectations that have usually never been verbalized. That's why when you're engaged or maybe you're married right now, one of the greatest things you can do for your spouse is is be honest with them about how you feel and what you expect. What do you need from me this week? What are you expecting from me this week? What can I do to exceed your expectations this week? Verbalizing communication is the number one source of strength in a marriage. Number four, I got to get through this, is women need, I believe this fundamentally, this is what Jesus does for the church, and this is what husbands are supposed to do for their wives, is they need leadership. We need, women need leadership. What do you mean leadership? I mean that Jesus leads us in four areas that I believe women want men to lead in is women want you to lead with your children. I believe that, that our job as dads, as, as fathers, isn't to let our wives do everything that's going on with the kids and just to take care of every detail. I believe that there's something powerful about when husbands are leading and saying, you know what, babe, I see my daughter struggling with, or our daughter struggling with this, or I think I need to talk to her about that. Leading with discipline, you know, like not letting your wife do all the heavy lifting when it pertains to correcting your kids, training your kids. Women want you to lead with your children. They also want you to lead, number two, with romance. Meeting the need before it's there. And again, I'm not, listen, teaching on marriage is like teaching on money. It's pretty easy to understand. It's just difficult to live out. Okay, don't spend more than you make. Save. Right? Invest tithe. Why is it so hard? Honor. Lead with your kids. Lead in romance. Plan things. I believe that's why it's so important, guys, even financially. Number three, leading in a way that, you know what, even if you don't run the checkbook in the household, you're aware of what the budget is for date nights. And I'm telling you that one of the greatest things she wants you to lead in is always have a margin in your finances to always have have a space that you can still be romantic with your wife. I'd rather spend $100 a month or a week on a date than 50 grand in a divorce. Keep investing in what you want to see keep growing. They want to see you lead with your kids, with your romance, with your finances. And guess what, guys? Women want to see us lead spiritually. They do. No woman in the room goes, you know what I want? I want a husband that I have to twist his arm every time to read his Bible. I need a husband that I've got to twist his arm to pray with me. I want to, I want to marry someone that hates going to church. Hates going to small groups, never wants to pray, never wants to seek God. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things you can do for your wife is even if you're not wired naturally to be spiritually minded, is to say, you know what, babe, you know what we need to start doing? Is let's start putting God first. 
And I've learned this, that, that if we start leading in this area, it opens up women's hearts. You see, this is something that together collectively, uh, actually I'll do that last, I'm almost finished, is there's, there's three things I believe that, that men want. You ready to go? Write this down. I'm trying to talk fast to get through this. But I believe that just like women have needs that are represented Jesus to the church, Jesus has needs from the church that men need from their wives. Number one need that Jesus wants from us Christians following him is honor. Number one thing that men need from female, from their wife, more than anybody else, is they need honor. You see, women bruise easy physically. Men bruise easily emotionally. And women's words can bruise men faster than anything else. Because again, guys don't care what their buddies say about them, but they do care what their wife says. And it's so important that with your words that we honor. I do believe that honor has a way to actually elevate who your, who your husband is. Don't, and you write this down, don't honor him with your words where he is. Honor him with your words with where you want him to be. Again, if, if he's struggling, if he's screwing up, if he's not where you want him to be, if you use your words to just speak where he is, he'll always be there. But when you start, ladies, listen to me. When you start speaking with your words, you know what, babe? I'm so proud of you. Listen to me. What's rewarded is repeated. What's rewarded is repeated. Men are like dogs. Can we be honest in church? If you reward him for doing the right things, he'll continue to do the right things. But when you don't reward what you've asked him to do, he'll stop doing it. Are you hearing me today? So practical, but so, so important. And I believe this, that Jesus needs honor from us like husbands need honor from their wives. And when you begin to honor Jesus for who he is, you know what happens? You begin to see the best in Jesus in your life. And when you honor your husband for what he could be, you start to see the best in your husband in your marriage. Honor unlocks the potential of your husband. Honor, and I'll, I'll just write this down. Praise him publicly, correct him privately. And there'll be times he says something stupid, does something you don't like, communicate to him privately. But when, you, when he does something right, praise him publicly. Say, you know what, God, ladies, my husband is so amazing. He bought me flowers yesterday. He was so thoughtful to me. He took the girls out so I could have an afternoon to myself. He sent me to get my, my nails done, and he sent me to the spa. Applaud him when he does what you want him to do, and he'll continue to do more of it. Are you following me? Almost finished. The band can come on up. I'm almost done. Is number, number two, men's greatest needs is intimacy. Intimacy. We'll call it what it is. Men need, men need sex like women need affection. And I do believe that's a misconception in, in our society today. And I do believe that when you actually meet each other's needs, it's, it's something crazy. It's almost like, a, you know, almost like power, almost like money, almost like your appetite. You can eat as, as much as you want, but you will get hungry again. And I do believe that when it pertains to our, our intimacy, our sexuality, that men, this is not a... a a want. It's, it's a need. I, I read a secular study that said that, that men's greatest need is sex, because they think about it more than anything else in marriage, and women's greatest need is not, it's not even in the top 12. Number 12 is gardening <laughs> for women. Number 13 is intimacy. It's a national study. You see the disconnect in marriage. Okay, I'm thinking this, and that's why many times women go, you know, our marriage is struggling, our relationship struggling, let's have kids. And the guy's like, that involves intimacy. Sounds like a good idea. But kids don't solve problems that are already there. 
they amplify them. It's so important that when we are in a relationship, that when I'm just telling you right now, one of the greatest things you can give your wife is, and it's, if it's okay to be honest in church, this, this was something that uh, Pastor Jude, who's actually Jay's, one of Jay's pastors, Pastor Jude and Becky Fuqua have been married for a lot of years. And I'll never forget we were engaged and we heard their testimony and she said, you know what? I've never said no to him when it pertains to being intimate. And she said, I know that one of the greatest ways I can honor my husband is always meeting his need, even sexually. I want to encourage you, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper in this because I think this is something we try to stay away from in church because it's a little bit awkward. But I do believe this, that if you never negotiate you never threaten and you never barter with sex. It's not a punishment mechanism. It's not if you don't give me my way, I'm going to punish you with not being intimate with you. Because it's like taking food from your kid. When you discipline your kids, you don't take away their food. That's called abuse. We report those people. And when you have a need as a male and he goes, you know what, you haven't been nice to me, I'm going to take this away from you. A lot of times, the key to killing a problem is killing it with doing with honor, not with discipline. And I think in marriages, many times as we take away a need from a man that actually has the power to change maybe what's going on in his mind or his heart. So I want to encourage you guys. Uh, number two, all the men are grateful for this. You can give me, a, uh, give me a pat on the back later for helping you out, guys. Is intimacy is a need. Number three is companionship. You're like, Mark, how does this apply to Jesus? Well, guess what? You know what Jesus wants? He wants to be intimate with you. Religion wants you to study God. Christianity wants you to experience him. And I guess what, the greatest things that your spouse shows you when you're being intimate occurs when nobody else is around. Can I, can I dare to say to you that Christianity is the same way? That God's greatest things that he shows us is when we're being intimate with him, with our Bibles, by ourselves, in our bedrooms, with the door closed. The greatest thoughts I've ever had from heaven came when I was being intimate with God by myself. Jesus said, go into your room and shut the door and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Get alone by yourself. There's something powerful that happens with God when I spend time with him intimately because God wants you to honor him. He wants you to be intimate with him. And guess what? Number three, one of the greatest gifts a wife can give their husband is companionship. I don't know if you've realized this, but your husband might be 60, but there is still a kid trapped inside of him. And I've learned this, that every king has a kid in him, and every kid has a king inside of him. And I've learned this, that it doesn't matter how old you get, guys like to play, we like to have fun, we like adventure. And one of the greatest things that women can do with their husbands is two things, is join them on the adventures that are in their hearts. I love, man, I have friends that, and, and I know a lot of people that, my aunt, she wasn't a golfer, but she would go with my uncle and drive around for eight hours in a golf cart, not because she loved golf, but because she loved being with her husband when he was doing something that he loved. And I would encourage you, find, take a walk. Rashad and I love jogging together. Do something that recharges you, replenishes you, but do it together with your spouse. I think one of the, one of the roots, uh, the cracks and the foundation in the marriages in America is we do too many things individually and not enough things together. Have a companion. You know what Jesus wants to do with you? He wants to have a companion relationship. He wants you when you're doing something so fun. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm skiing, I'm in Mammoth, snow's everywhere, it's incredible. And I can't help but to think that God is just like sitting in heaven watching me, just smiling, like, I'm glad you're enjoying creation. And I had a moment, that's why I love snowboarding, is I get up there in these mountains and I'm like, God, you are really good at what you do. 
this is unbelievable. It's euphoric, it's spectacular, it's spiritual. It's like, man, I'm connecting with God in your creation. And I'm enjoying his companionship while I'm flying down the mountain and I'm hurling my body off these cliffs. I can feel the pleasure of God. Remember the movie years ago? I can't remember the name of the movie. Dun, 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 dun. Chariots of Fire. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I love that line. They say, why do you like to run so much? He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I believe one of the greatest things that women can do for their husbands is to actually run in the areas that they have pleasure. Do things with your husband that that he loves to do. And this goes both ways, mutually. But I do believe that it's a need for men to have companionship with their wives. Women can find other women to do things with, but guys love it when you have fun with them. Five things that we're going to live by and I'll land the plane. Is I want to, I want to tell you that if you want to safeguard your marriage, have a, have a philosophy. Number one, that we're always going to seek God first. We're always going to seek God first. Number two, what do you, and by the way, if you don't pray together, that's one of the best ways to stay in a sticky relationship is pray together. Seek God. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun together. Do something fun. And number three is we're going to stay pure. Don't let darkness into your marriage. Guard your eyes. Guard your heart. Don't think about other people. Stay focused on what you love about your wife. One of the Ten Commandments was don't look at your your neighbor's wife. Don't look at somebody else's life, someone else's marriage. Enjoy what you have. Stay pure. Number four, fight fair. It's not if, it's when you fight. There's going to be arguments and disagreements, and when you do, fight fair. No nuclear weapons in your marriage. I'm not using the word divorce. I'm not threatening you with moving out. We are in this thing together. We have locked the hatch. We've thrown away the key. We are in this for better or for better. We're moving forward. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a marriage that we are committed to fighting fair. We're not using mustard gas. We're not using words. We're not comparing. We're not throwing each other's family under the bus. Fight fair. Number four is never give up. That's number five. Never give up. And I'm telling you that when you have this type of relationship, you will 100% have this life and vitality. Meet her needs, she meets your needs. And guess what? Three things I love to say is if you think something good about your spouse, say it. If you're thinking something, you know what I love about you, Rochelle? I love the fact that you are so out of this world kind to everybody. That's a true statement right there. She loves everybody. You can be famous and wealthy or you can be poor and living on the streets. My wife has kind things to say to you. And I'm telling you right now, when you think something about your, your spouse that's good, say it. Because oftentimes the only words we vocalize are the frustrations and not the things we celebrate. Think something good, say it. Number two, if you think something special, do it. It's very simple. Think something, you know what so special today? Is to order my wife, get, get her some candy on the way home. She loves candy. Think something special, do it. And here's the big one right here. If you want something different in your marriage, be it. You want something different in your marriage? Be it. I've learned that you can't change your spouse, but you can let God change you. And as you change, it'll affect them. Can I get an amen? Would you stand your feet? I'm finished. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.
Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.